Hey everyone, Jeff here. Today is Saturday, October 22nd, 2016, and just before Graham and I sat down to record a podcast, we heard that the amazing comic artist and talent Steve Dillon had passed. Um, most of us know him from his work on Punisher and Hellblazer and Preacher, all of which with uh, Garth Ennis, but as Graham goes on to talk about in this uh, very episode, um, Dylan's work spanned five decades, including time at Warrior, 2000 AD, the early days of Vertigo, as well as co-creating the magazine Deadline. Uh, he had a significant body of work behind, that he leaves behind him and a powerful influence on the industry. He will very much be missed. And, uh, we just thought it was appropriate to sit down and talk a little bit about him and uh, his legacy in this very, very short um, mini episode. Uh, thank you for listening. I found out an email. Uh, I, I woke up. I actually slept in today. That oh never happened. Yeah, exactly. Woke up and I checked my email and I had an email from the Hollywood Reporter from the end of the weekend editor there. Mm-hmm. And she was basically like, is this real? Because it was just the, the Warren Ellis tweet at that point. Is this real? And and if so, should we be writing up? And I, like, it's the subject line, like, let's see, was it in the, yeah, the subject line was literally just Steve Dillon death. Mm. And I, I honestly was just like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I didn't, it's not like disbelieved or anything, but it was, it was just one of those, those moments where you're like, fuck, like, just, just sadness. Yeah. I mean, he, he's super fucking young, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, he absolutely is. He's old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. He's like, he's like only four years older than me. So no, I, I, I'm aware of the, just how shocking it is. Well, you know, I think actually Graham, uh, at, at the, at the risk of just seeming like I'm blowing your horn as opposed to the regular standby of my own horn, uh, is, is that I think you're, you had a tweet that really put it in perspective. He co-created Deadline magazine and, uh, not only was there at the, the dawning days of Vertigo, but he had work published in Warrior magazine he, he, i mean it's, it, it's amazing when you look back at his career mm-hmm. he started at 16 which blows my mind yeah uh and he did stuff for like hulk weekly and doctor who weekly for marvel uk he then did a laser razor and press button uh with with steve moore for warrior and illustrated a chapter of miracle man oh wow really yes he did a chapter of miracle man and he also did a, i mean a metric shit ton of 2000 ad stuff right uh including like he did Tony Rex, which I was tweeting about today, which is a John Smith thing, which was just like, it's super fun. And, and one of those things where you're, you're like, Oh, that would, that was really fun and weirdly ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, uh, John Smith being, you know, the weirder Grant Morrison, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but very fascinated with pop and celebrity, mm-hmm. you know? So like she's, she's, she meets Prince in the first episode. And then has to fight off clones of like British pop stars. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like she's a, she's part, she's like human part dinosaur because she's had her genes spliced with dinosaurs again in 2080. Yeah. And she's a, she's a, a performance artist. And she's also again, John Smith. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. of course she is. Yeah. And then like, you know, as, as Dylan only did like a few episodes of it but like later on she's like and she's also a nun and it's like uh, you know of course she is fucking 2000 AD fucking John Smith but but he did that he did 
like he started Deadline. Yeah. Uh, and he did what was his Deadline strip? Bebop and Lula was that Deadline? I want to say it was that he did Bebop and Lula. Mm-hmm. Um, he and then he did you know Screamer, Hellblazer, wow. Preacher, a lot of Punisher for mm-hmm. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know his his career was just amazing. Yeah. Just and again. 54 years old. Yeah. And you think about those things. Like, without without Steve Dillon, you would, literally wouldn't have Jamie Hewlett. You wouldn't have Philip Bond. You know, it's just... It's just amazing. It's, it was an amazing career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, it really is. It's... Uh, and I mean, also, I think it's just... It's funny. You know, a lot of people were um, reposting a lot of their, their fave pages, and a lot of them came from... Um, Punisher or Preacher, but particularly I realized looking at the Preacher pages, uh, I almost feel that, you know, we have a, um, there's a narrative, uh, that gets told among the comics blogosphere, I think, about decompressed storytelling. And I think A, we tend to look at it as, as a negative and B, I think a lot of it ends up being laid at the feet of Brian Bendis. But mm-hmm. when you look at the pacing that Dylan and Ennis brought to their titles, you know, starting from Hellblazer, but especially running through Preacher, but even something as manic as their run on Punisher, you know, their first run on Punisher, which was mm-hmm. a little more... Uh, ha ha, yuck yuck. Yeah, exactly. Tongue, yeah, I was going to say tongue in cheek, but it's not even tongue in cheek. It's like Garth Ennis clearly been like, this character's fucking dumb. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't, it's, well, maybe we should return to that. But, but is, is that Dylan and Ennis really, I don't think that what we think of as decompressed storytelling, we don't think of them as, as an example because it works perfectly, because it flows because the story beats are there. But when you look at it and you see sort of how, how what seems like what could be really minor on the page is just perfectly told, you know? Um, I mean, that's just such an unbelievably rare gift. Uh, and when I say gift, I really mean that that was a skill and a discipline. And I feel like, uh, it's interesting to me, um, you know, there were, there were, I remember hearing sort of through the grapevine that, uh, you know, there was talk that Ennis and Dylan were going to come back and do another series for Vertigo that was going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, it was, they talked about it many times as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. City Lights, was that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, just very much sort of a continuation of, like, Ennis trying to tell, like, you know, sort of stories without any kind of, um, you know, melodramatic or pulp, you know, trappings. But like, I want to tell stories about people. I want to say it was in Belfast, but I don't, I don't really know. And I remember it was like, this was this thing that was going to happen that kept getting talked up. And at some point, the, the rumors started going around that it just, that it more or less wasn't going to happen because Ennis wasn't going to do it without Dylan and Dylan wasn't going to do it without wasn't going to do it essentially because basically at that point Marvel was paying him to draw Wolverine, which was, you know, probably a pretty good living. So yeah, exactly. 
and and it's fascinating you look at that stuff i mean the the one of the things that always um sticks out of all the various mean things that i've said in all my years over at the savage critic was reading that first daniel way slash steve dylan issue of wolverine like you know when they relaunched the series wolverine origins yeah and and it was you know, I I literally said that Steve Dillon's art is like putting an Easter bonnet on a crackhead, you know, because the comic was so terrible. It was just such bullshit from top to bottom in terms of the way it was written. But in terms of the way that it was executed by Dillon, you know, it just – it really – he just had – the gift of clarity, I suppose, you know, and the pacing that he brought to his pieces was he really did become one of those guys where it's like, I think you probably could have had him be inked by Joe Sinnott, you know, and still been able to tell that it was Dylan, you know, just from the pacing, the the choices, yeah. the storytelling yeah. choices that he made. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also he had a, it's funny you say inking. I remember... And this must have been around deadline time. So we're talking like 88 through 90. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point where Dylan was, uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying cranking out so much work, but he really was. Like he was producing a lot because he's doing deadline stuff and 2008 stuff at the same time. Wow. And I suspect 2008 was like paying the bills for deadline. Um, that he was, it genuinely looked like he was inking with a marker pen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Like it was the most rough stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just fucking glorious. I like this is a guy who at this point had been in comics for for a decade, if not more, and it's shown that he could do the brushwork. It's shown that he could do like the you know yeah. the, the fine penmanship, and was just like I'm getting these comics fucking down as quickly as possible with a marker pen. And I remember just loving it. it. It was it was like nothing else I'd seen professionally printed. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had some sort of. Uh, it had this unfinishedness mm-hmm. that I just, I just adored. I was just completely reacting to. Uh, yeah, it, it, Dylan was. It, it's funny because you know, you know, I don't really like Ennis, uh, but Dylan's stuff was weirdly important to me uh, at that age, at like you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, uh, because it had that that roughness in its finish. But his his mechanics were always fucking perfect. Oh yeah. I mean, I think like always. Yeah. No. And I think that's, that's one of the things that sticks to me. Cause, cause the other thing that I find fascinating about Dylan is, is that he, his, he, he's, he transcended hackiness. You know what I mean? And there was, there, I think there was a bunch of stuff where, you know, I, I don't think that he was especially a huge fan of Wolverine. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. you look at what he did for Marvel, and like he did Wolverine, did Nighthawk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he did all these things where I doubt he was a massive fan of the material, but mm-hmm. he was a professional. Yeah. Well, he was a professional, and I guess that's what I mean is is that that um, you look at his work like it, it's he so exemplifies that sort of way that when you and I are talking like oh like a Jack Kirby page has a flow and a rhythm to it or even the way that Basima makes his storytelling choices you can tell that it's a Basima page and you can also even tell that it's a Basima page where he's way into his career and he's not even necessarily thinking about his layouts they just happen very naturally and consequently look a lot 
like other Basima pages. I feel that way about Dylan is, is like, it's like, oh yeah, here's the close up of the heavy lidded, you know, guy who's kind of half smirking. And oh, here's the picture, you know, here's the really dumb guy who's not getting what's going on. And here's the sidelong glance of the badass who realizes that, you know, the situation that he's walking into. What's amazing is, is that all of those things that Dylan did them sort of so consistently in such the same way. And yet, and yet again, I, it transcended any sense of hackiness. It was like, no, that's, that's Dylan. And it's, and you really had an appreciation for it on the page, or at least I did. I was always like, I, I really do love this stuff. It's so funny. You mentioned that sort of unfinished rough markerness. I, I really like the way that his, a lot of his faces were done so quickly. Sometimes it felt like they just, they almost felt like really talented doodles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just, it, it ultimately all became this sort of extension of style, you know? I mean, he's not nearly as, um, fastidious as like Toth or somebody like that, but he is, his consistency gave his work, such a um a worldview and a flavor and a personality that you associated you know with the artist um and god knows i feel like that is such a hard thing to do here in comics you know to not not just to walk that line but it you know as we know it's just so frequent that the credit tends to go to the writer and the artist yeah yeah. gets sort of it's funny dylan had such uh it's, it's such a particular aesthetic mm-hmm. that the you, you. I don't think this is terrible. I don't think we would have had this conversation before today. Mm-hmm. But Dylan is one of these artists that you look at and say that's a Dylan page in the same way as you would say it's a Toth page, it's a Kirby page. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and it's hard to think of that many other artists around these days that you really would say that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because his world seems so definitively his yes exactly even when he included influences from other people Mm -hmm. it never overwhelmed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. his style was always dominant and and from from the start i mean you look back at uh it's funny i I have twitter open as as we're talking and rob williams just tweeted out pages from city of the damned the judge dread strip that he did Mm. and that was 83 84 maybe um and and it's still entirely Steve Dillon. Do you know what I mean? Like entirely, it's still the the same work that you can see in Preacher, you know, ten years later, in Punisher, thirty years later. You know, it's yeah, it's he was he was such a stylist, um, and as you say, like in such a uh, casual way. Mm-hmm. He never hit you over the head. It was like, this is my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never. It was just like, this is, this is how I draw. And, and everything seemed fully realized. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Entirely. a good way to put it. So yeah, just a significant talent. I really, it's the field, it's tough because part of me is like, yeah, the field's going to be worse, um, without him. But of course there's kind of that thing of like, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you know, 
he I don't know where he was at. It, as I recall, it's like wasn't he doing was he doing the Punisher stuff with Becky Clinton? Yeah, yeah, he was doing the punch with Becky Clinton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had been. I, it's it's, uh, it's something really strange. But I've seen a lot of people today basically be like, he was doing a lot better. Hmm. You know, his death came as a surprise. He was doing a lot better. Which suggests that something was going on with him mm-hmm. that was now Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might explain, like, because I feel like he did sort of drop off the, the face of comics for a while. Yeah. Uh, and that, that might have been why, but it's, you know, y- you just, even, you know, even now, you look at the reviews for the Punisher series, the current Clooney uh, Punisher series, mm-hmm. and everyone was calling out how important Dylan was to that. Yeah. You know, he, he, it wasn't, he was, he was still, uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying like, he was still, he still had it. Yeah. He was still viable. He still mattered. And, and I, and I think that's really true. I think that that's, yeah, I think everyone was, uh, aware of that, which I think is part of what lends to the shock. I mean, apart from the fact that he's 54, uh, and also there's just kind of that horrible feeling of, you know, the first season of Preacher finally, you know, it finally got made into a TV series. It finally aired. Like, those guys must have finally seen some money. I mean, I'm sure from the trade paperback sales, they were, you know, that was some form of income. But, you know, the whole idea that once your stuff gets made into, you know, a TV show or a movie, you get the you get the big check. You know, I think it's... Yeah, it's just, uh, again, not a, an Ernest fan at all. But because of the success of Preacher, you did, like, even I still wanted to see, like, the two of them mm-hmm. do something else. I think so, yeah. Just I, to see what it was, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of a shame that we won't have that. But, I mean, but my God, he really did leave behind a body of work that, that I, I really believe will be remembered and appreciated. It's uh, when I was writing up the thing for the Hollywood Reporter today. It's amazing. He's fifty-four years old, and his work spans five decades. Yeah. He'd work in seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, and twenty times. Jeez, That's... isn't that just breathtaking? Yeah, that really is. That is stunning. Wow. It's, yeah, it's it's I, it's uh, it's a platitude to be like you know we don't see his like anymore when yeah. someone passes, but but you really don't. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing career. Yeah, so, so there you go. There you uh, go. Jeff and I are both sad. Yes. <laughs> is is the punchline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016, geez, what a year. Oof. Right? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Well, let's, 2017, you better get better. That's right. Right? Right? It's on 2017, or else. <laughs> or else. Or else we'll just all break down. Yeah. We have no other recourse apart from that. We'll just have to take it. Yeah, exactly. 